Welcome to Pushing Through. I'm Tate Frazier, and as always, I am joined by the kid, BJ Armstrong. And BJ, the conference finals are churning along, but unfortunately, we haven't had the best basketball happening in front of our face so far. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you all about it, but first and foremost, what are your thoughts so far on what we've seen in the conference finals? we got 3-0 on one side, and we got 2-2 on the other side, but it is the most fascinating 2-2 series I think I've ever been a part of. And the one thing that we keep coming back to, you and I, is that People look a little tired out there, BJ. Yes. Is that something that we can we can say rightfully so? Everyone looks a little worn out. I, right I now. think Tate. I think you answered it right there. I think guys are tired. I think the longevity of the season since the pandemic, since the bubble, has finally caught up to the players. You could see that 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 was one of the strangest games I've seen in quite some time. Talking about Game Four of the Conference Finals between the Boston Celtics. And the Miami Heat. I, I, I've never seen And that's coming off game three, which I thought was the weirdest game I'd ever seen until game four. Yeah, you know I, what I, I mean, mean it just keeps. You, you're talking about these 20 point swings. It's like you talk about the lows and highs. It's kind of like, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing one team up 25 in game one, the other team comes up 25 in game two, game three. You know, Miami, Miami's up 25. Miami's up 30 something, right? And then yeah. all of a sudden. They scored literally 33 points in the first half last night. I was, I thought I was back in the 80s watching basketball again, you know, the way these guys mm-hmm. are playing. So I just think the longevity, I think the fatigue, the fatigue in what capacity? You have, you're having games played at a higher level, talking about the playoffs. And con- which is a mental yeah, strain. Yeah, which is in a condensed you know I mean? amount of time. Rest. They're, they're mm-hmm. literally they're playing every other day. And this is what's happening. I, I think now it's just, you know, you, you, mental fatigue, physical fatigue. And I just think there's not enough time. And I think just all of this stress and all of this built has been built up since the pandemic. These shortened seasons, 72 game seasons, you know, now you put 82 game seasons in a short amount of time. I think now it's just finally caught up to the players to where, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing things you don't normally see because, I know it's important. I know it means a lot to these players, but I just think physically they're just exhausted and, you know, everybody's, you know, giving you everything they got. But, you know, it just looks like, wow, like what is going on out there? Which goes back to, you know, kind of the product of the NBA and the basketball that's going on. And one of the things that you said to me when we first started doing the show was that, you always laughed when you saw guys in the offseason that are like grinding in the gym and putting up videos of themselves because one thing that you pointed out was you need rest and recovery. You need to learn how to recover, and that's a skill in and of itself is to be able to rest and recover. And, you know, the Dallas Mavericks, for example, they beat the Phoenix Suns in a Game 7. That was eight days ago. Now they're three down three games against the Warriors. Again, eight days, but, you know, three games into another whole series. So, I mean, the, the mental whatever makeup that you have to deal with with that, the gymnastics that you have to do, and not only your body to go from a game seven, putting it all out there, exerting yourself, and now you're already three games into another series. So, I mean, just being able to to manage that with your body and being able to recover, it just doesn't seem like we have enough time and we're seeing what the result of that is, which is not good basketball. And we're in the conference finals right now, and everybody wants to see good basketball and obviously wants to see the best basketball. And 
that's why I think it's been a little bit frustrating and even fatiguing for a viewer, yes. you know, to yes. watch because you feel bad for the players and the coaches and everyone involved because this isn't their best version either, and you can see it on their faces. Well, Tate, I mean, very well put. I mean, what can you say? I think these, I think these guys are putting it out on the line. But you yeah. know, Tate, you you hear me say this quite often. You know, roster construction is a talent, and you have to construct these teams with depth, especially during this particular period since the pandemic. You know, you need depth. Yep. You can't win with a top-heavy team. I think that is the obvious as you're watching the teams that really it's a battle of attrition. You know, who's going to be the last team standing? I mean, you're you're mm-hmm. you're talking about, you know, the the defensive player of the year, for instance, and Marcus Smart is missed. You know, Gary Payton is missed. You know, Steph Curry was coming off the bench at the start of these playoffs. Clay yep. Thompson, you know, his injuries are well documented. Draymond missed a significant amount of time. Ja Morant missed. Luka Doncic missed. You know, mm-hmm. all of these players have missed significant time during the playoffs. Jimmy Butler. So you could see what is going on here. It's just a matter now of, you know, who's going to be standing in the end. But more importantly, when you're constructing these teams now, you have to have depth without question because at any given moment, Players can miss because of the the time. Now, the season next year will go back to its normal schedule. For the first yeah, time. For the first time. You know, and what, I think that's, that's like three that years now, right? Yeah. And yep. I think yep. now, Tate, you know, if there's, you know, if the players are listening, you got to take the summer off. You're really going to have to allow your body and your mind to rest so that you can get back because these playoffs, Tate, I don't recognize them. They're, it's it's a it's a it's. I know we keep saying it's a new game, but take these games now. Don't even. I mean, that was that was last night's game. Really, I I didn't even recognize it. I was like, what is going on here? I really mm-hmm. didn't. I didn't recognize what Miami was doing. They looked so out of character the way they played, uh, the way they were performing out there last night. You know, Coach Spo, he looked just as confused as the rest of us. Like, who is this team? And they look spent. Yeah, you know it just I mean? looked. I, I don't know what they did in the, in the day off, but whatever they did in Boston, don't do that again because the team just looked <laughs> out of sorts. They just looked out of it. It was, you know, it was odd to say the least. You know, the way they came up, the way they played, and the way they performed. And the funniest thing or the most interesting thing about this series in the East is that it does seem like every game is a flip-flop on itself. You know what I mean? It's like one game, the team that is more physical, the team that is more forceful will be the Miami Heat, for example. And then they'll get 20-some free throws in the first half. And then you watch the next game, and it's like the Boston Celtics are the more aggressive, forceful team. They'll have 20 free throws in the first half. And that kind of determines the game. And I think, you know, even though it is 2-2, we have not seen one game where it feels like like an actual competitive close game and that's why you know you you said you you don't really recognize it we see so much competition and competitiveness that happens in these conference finals especially as we we get to this part of the season and it just hasn't been able to be there because of all these injuries because of you know guys going in and out of the lineup and then when we get in these games it seems like the game is already out of hand by the end of the first quarter. I mean, yeah. that, that's what's been so shocking to me is that from the jump, it just feels like it's not even a game, and people tune out when that happens, and 
that's unfortunate because all these guys are at this point in the season, which is why they put in all this work to get here, and they're not able to perform to the level they want to because of all of the you know outstanding things that have been happening uh, you know the past three years with everything. So I just feel bad for the players and the coaches and the people that are all involved because this is not necessarily the best version of themselves on the biggest stage, but you're just trying to survive in advance. That's why it's a little bit different than normal because it almost has like more of a March Madness feel to it than it does of an NBA playoffs feel. Yeah, you know what? Um, I, I, I can't tell you, like I said, this has been very eye-opening for me in many ways is because I'm not recognizing or what I've come to expect about playoff basketball you know, it hasn't really stayed the course. You know, it's kind of been very sporadic. You know, I can't recall. We've had moments. We've had quarters. We've had stints in yes. these games where you're like, that's that. I see that. I understand that. I recognize that. But then it will dissipate. Then it will go away. And then you're confused. Yeah. Again. And then you all of a sudden you, you're seeing the game revert back to, you know, what? Uh, you know, in, in certain s- small segments, you'll see the game look like, say, oh, okay, that's playoff basketball. And all of a sudden, yeah, you know, you see a, an enormous amount of threes being taken. And then you'll see teams going these long stretches. I mean, for nine minutes last night in the first quarter, there wasn't a field goal scored by the Miami Heat in nine minutes. First time in 25 years that that's it's happened. Un- I mean, you're just saying things. You're going, okay. What's going on? You know, like a, they couldn't even get a they couldn't even get the ball in the basket. I mean, it was just it was it was just awful. I mean, I, what can you and say? You could see that you could see it taxing on the Miami Heat right. too. You know what I mean? And it felt they almost looked helpless, right? They they just it just felt like they they were. I mean, not they had a free throw about Bam out of Bayou for like ten minutes, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what is going on? I think they scored like eleven points in the first quarter or something. It, it was very, very... And those points all came from Victor Oladipo, who was like basically a guy that was you know, not even on the team until we got to the exactly. playoffs, right? So he was the only one that came in, and he has fresher legs than most guys at this point because he hasn't been playing. So he was the only one that was able to get them some points in the first quarter. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, it, really, it really was. So incredible, incredible... Uh... Incredible in not a good way. Like when we were watching Giannis, we were like, this is incredible. But in a, in a different kind of sense, this is incredible because you can't even believe what's happening in front of your face. But like you said, we, we have all these extenuating circumstances that you can kind of explain it away. But at the end of the day, this is the basketball in our face. And we, you know, it just is full. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Not ex- is. It's it, not what we usually It really see. is. But you know what? Moving to, you know, now game four, you know, the, the Warriors are up 3-0. Game four now for the Warriors-Mavs series. I can't, believe the, I can't believe that the Mavs are down 3-0. I can't believe that they're yeah. down 3-0. And the Warriors have an opportunity to sweep. So we'll see how that plays out there in Dallas game four. And I'm sure the Warriors, knowing them, they're focused, they're locked in, and they're going to go for the sweep. They, they want to get the rest which will give them a significant yeah. advantage. So, you know, uh, they're, they're focused right now. They're determined, and they're, they're really locked in to the moment. And of those four team, of the four teams that we have left, when I look at the Warriors and we talked about depth, I see the depth. I, I understand why they have, you know, or why they're in the position that they're in. When you look at some of these guys like a Jordan Poole or, you know, any of these guys, they Otto Porter, guys that are coming off the bench. But the most fascinating thing to me about the Warriors, BJ, I want to talk to you about is they're winning and beating the Mavericks inside out, which a lot of people have always talked about the Splash Brothers and the three-point shooting. The Mavericks are the three-point shooting team in this series, and the Warriors are the offensive 
rebounding team. Right. They're playing inside out through Kavon Looney, and the Mavs have really no answer down low against Looney, and Looney has obviously been a big you know X factor in the series. Andrew Wiggins has been great on Luka Doncic playing defense, but he's also been great on the offensive glass, getting a lot of rebounds, getting a lot of possessions. And I just find it fascinating because it seems like no one can talk about the Warriors currently. Everyone wants to talk about the Warriors in 2015 or 2016 and talk about the three-point shooting. And yes, Steph Curry has been great. He's averaging 28 points per game in the series, but he's driving to the basket, BJ. They're beating these guys inside out, and it's a totally different way that they're winning. And it's just so funny to me that the Warriors, who everyone has tried to copy over, over the years they've gone back to more of a traditional basketball game and and no one else seems to acknowledge and point out that the fact that they're beating teams inside out which is totally different than how they've done that in the past so I I find that yeah I I think the Warriors you know first of all Kevon Ludi give him credit you know it's a reason he's open right I, I think the defense is saying that's the guy we're going to allow to score because he hasn't scored yeah and give him credit for recognizing that and understanding what needs to be done. That's the sign of a veteran. You know, a lot of these guys, believe it or not, they're really good basketball players. They have the ability to score, but yeah. they've made a conscientious choice to do what's needed for that particular team in that situation. So Kevon Looney gets 20 points in a game. And then Andrew Wiggins. First 20-point game since he was at yeah, UCLA. And, and, the then, and then Andrew Wiggins, <laughs> listen, Andrew Wiggins is, is developing right in front of our eyes with the consistency of being a pro. Right. A professional. Yes. This is what a professional, you know, you do what you do. That's when you know you're a pro. If you're a 20 point scorer, you, t- you score 20 every night. If you're a 30 point scorer, you do that. If you're an eight point scorer, you do that. But when you start doing it with the consistency, then you start catching the attention of your peers. Well, Andrew Wiggins mm. right now is doing that. He's been very consistent throughout the playoffs. And in particular, in this series, he's really stepped his game up. We've, we've known all along that defensively, he's really shown that he has the ability to do that. Now he's doing yeah. that consistently on the defensive end, and now he's putting it, putting it all together on the offensive end when he's able to do there as well. So give him credit. I mean, he stepped up to the challenge uh, with Luka. I mean, he's, doing, he's not doing this against you know, just anyone. He's doing this against one of the top five to ten players in the entire NBA. Now, Luka certainly has had his moments but overall, I think Andrew Wiggins has done a good job. He's provided the effort and energy necessary, fighting over screens. But more importantly, Luka doesn't have an opportunity to rest on the defensive end. That's the thing I appreciate most. Okay, Luka's going to get his, but he's, you know, but also when Andrew Wiggins gets 20 Wiggins 27, is attacking him. And, and, yeah. and to me, that's, that's the sign of a pro. You do what you got to do to win the game. And that's what I respect more than anything. Look, you know, Luca's going to get more touches. Luca's going to get more shots. Luca's going to get more plays. But give Andrew Wiggins credit of understanding his role, the task at hand, but more importantly, doing what he has to do so this team can have an opportunity to win this game. And they had Steph Curry, or maybe it was Draymond that was mic'd up, but they cut to a moment in that game, and he went up to Wiggins and said, go at him every time. You know what I mean? And I think that... That kind of demonstrates what we have. With it's not just the defense of Wiggins. Wiggins is making Luca work on both. Yeah, ends. you could see you you could see the Warriors have a game plan. You could see what the Warriors are doing. They're, you know the experience of watching the Warriors. You know we talk about you can imitate stats and you can imitate what something looks like, but the difference between the Warriors is they're doing it with a purpose. The purpose is to win mm-hmm. the game, and you do what you got to do. If we need to shoot the three, shoot the three, but don't shoot the three thinking that's the only way you can win the game. You can't yep. settle. 
when you, especially as you start playing playoff basketball. And what the what I love most about the Warriors is they don't settle. They shoot the three when the team gives them the three. They always do what the defense gives them. They drive to the basket and they maintain their aggressive play because scoring allows you to set up your defense, Tate. And I think that's the yep. one thing that analytics doesn't take into account is, you know, they're like, just get up 53s. Well, <laughs> what does it have to do with winning games? Like, if, if, if every team would just get up 53s if that was going to allow you to win the game. Do what you have to do. Because mm-hmm. and play the game that's in play. front of you. You, you can't predetermine. That, that's one of my biggest gripes about the current what we have going on currently. Even with the moves that are being made, I saw Marcus Smart the other night. A guy falls down in front of him. He does like an in and out dribble. Guy guy stumbles. He should have a wide open shot, but he had already predetermined the move that he was going to mm-hmm. do. He was going to do two in and out dribbles. So he does the other one, and then the guy almost gets up and gets gets a hand to block it because it was already a predetermined play. And then I saw Penny Hardaway was talking about you know one of his famous moves where he kind of comes in and spins back out to the three point line, and Stephen Jackson's like. Did you premeditate that? Did you plan that? And he's like, no, I just I knew that the defender was leaning left, so I let him there, and then I and then the instinct made me pop back out and shoot a step back three, right. and that is like what the basketball the, you have to play what's in front of you. Well, that's the, the best game. player when you premeditate and predetermine, that's not a good space well, to be. Take, in. The best players always are instinctive. The, the best players. Yes. That's why when I see guys working on moves. That's not an instinctive way to play. I don't come in and say, I'm going to do it an in and out. I do that because it was instinctive. I needed to do it in and out. Yeah. I, I, I did a step back. I'm because trying to, I, you've been picking up that I'm going left, so I'm going to fake left and yeah, then I'm going to pull these, back These right. guys yeah. are working on moves. Well, what, that, that's not how you play. The best players yeah. are instinctive. You have to allow your players to be instinctive. And you, if, if someone takes something away, then you have to have a counter to that. That's the way you play the game. So uh, I agree with what you're saying. And that's how the Warriors play. And I think that's why when people are like, they look like a veteran team, they look like they know what they're doing. It's because they're playing the game that's in front of them. They have right, not premeditated any decision that's going to happen on a basketball that's court. Right. Steph Curry doesn't go into a game and say, I'm going to take 15 threes tonight. Or Clay's like, I need to take 10 threes. They're, they're just playing the game that's in that's front right. of them. And if Clay happens to be the one that's open and can get up 12 to 15 threes, great. That's just what tonight gave us. And that's what the game lended lend to us. And that's how we did to win the game. And I, that's what's fascinating That's to me right. because we live in kind of a, a split basketball world, it seems like, where a lot of stuff is premeditated. You're trying to do moves that you worked on with your trainer during the offseason, <laughs> but you got to play the game in front of right. you. And if you do that, you have a better chance to win in the end. And, and that's what the Warriors have shown totally, me. I, I'm impressed watching Totally them. agree, my friend. Totally agree. Quick break to get a word from our sponsors. It feels like you need a degree in grapes to find great wine. You can shop by label, I guess, or try to remember what tannins are. Shouldn't it be easier? That's why First Leaf does the hard work for you. They make it simple to discover new wines you'll love without the hit or miss. First Leaf samples over 10,000 wines a year from around the world and selects only the finest bottles. They take the time to learn what you like and what you don't. Then they send you world-class wines tailored to your taste. I've had First Leaf now for about two years at this point, and I continue to get some of my favorite wines, whether it be from South America, from Italy, got a lot of great Barolos. And if you're not happy with the wine you receive, First Leaf will credit you 
for another. It doesn't get simpler than that. Sign up today and you'll get your first six bottles for $29.95 plus free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash pushing. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash pushing, P-U-S-H-I-N, to get your first six bottles for $29.95 plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash pushing. Back to pushing through. And that's why I think that they're the favorite. When I look at these four teams, I mean, I don't know what the odds are in Vegas, but as I've watched these four teams, I keep going back to the to the Golden State Warriors because of that pedigree and because of the fact it does seem like they can play left-handed, right-handed, whatever way that they need to play to win the game that's in front of them, they can do that. Miami has shown some flexibility there in Boston at times too, but at the at the end of the day, I still go back to the Golden State Warriors and say, I, I think they have to be the favorites based on everything we've seen so far in the conference finals. Yep, yep uh, for sure. I, I think Golden State right now, if you're looking at the, the, the four remaining teams, to me they look the they look like they're playing the most solid, especially on the defensive end and the offensive end. They're, yes. they're playing the, the best what you know I've I've determined along with many others, the best, you know, blended brand of basketball that's left. You know, they have a nice defensive presence what they do they have a plan they take away certain things they force you to 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 go to your you know your other options within your offensive scheme so defensively they're really solid and then offensively they come at you in barrages you know they 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 come at you in waves you know they'll they they just keep the pressure on you Steph Curry keeps pushing it Draymond does an excellent job of, of forcing the tempo finding shooters setting screens they do all the little things that a great basketball team does. They do it in a non-traditional way, but yes. they play the game the right way with the, the 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 fundamental base where they know who their scorers are, their best players get the most shots, they set screens for their guys, and everyone knows their role. Okay? And mm-hmm. and, and and I give I give coach Kerr credit, you know, that he has those guys playing a nice brand of basketball and it's worked thus far for them and they're five wins away from winning another championship. And it's unconventional, but it still has the basis of a traditional yes. basketball yeah, game. Right. You know what I mean? Like it might be, it might look different, but at the end of the day, it's the same concepts and principles that are going to win you games, and that's why it's working. And I'm, I've been impressed with Draymond being more aggressive on the offensive end. I think when he does that, he takes them to another level because well, then you have to, you have to keep the defense honest. He, he, you exactly. have to keep the defense honest. You, you have to. It's not so much that if he makes it. If he makes it, that's fabulous. But he has to take it. To keep everyone honest, mm-hmm. so you know that's just recognizing and 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 playing the game. So those are just core fundamentals of the game. You have to take what the defense gives you, and if that shot is there repeatedly and he doesn't take it, then he becomes a liability on the offensive end. So you know, just give him credit for playing the game the right way. And we get a lot of conversations, obviously, at this point in the year with rest versus rust and things like that. But if the Warriors are able to sweep and get on to the finals and then able to watch, you know, the Celtics and the Heat probably presumably go to seven games. That that to me, and as we talked about at the start of this conversation with a lot of guys getting worn down, that seems like the ultimate advantage for the Warriors if they're able to sit at home, rest up, and also scout both these teams as they're playing against each other and showing their hand more and more as we get to game five, game six, and game seven. Well, the Eastern right Conference that? looks like they're just beating one another up. You know, they're just be- <laughs> they're just pounding each other. You know, Philadelphia <laughs> and Miami and Milwaukee yep. and Boston. I mean, Boston probably will go seven games again if they're going to win this series. That's what it's looking like. 
But nonetheless, yeah. I mean, this is a very difficult series. These last two series have been very difficult for them. And, you know, even though they swept, you know, the first series versus the Brooklyn Nets, that was a very stressful series because many people, myself included, picked Brooklyn to win that series. Okay, yeah. so... You know, I think, and they had this. They had to stomp them out while they could. They couldn't like they had the the ability to to sweep them. But if they didn't, you give Brooklyn that talent a chance to fight back in a series. And we saw what happened with the Mavericks and the Suns. When you have it in front of you, you better stop them out. And that's what Boston did. But that takes a lot of mental and physical fortitude to do. Yes, that. And, and you know, like I said, give those guys credit. So I think if Golden State is able to, you know, close this series out quickly, one two games max. I think it puts them at a significant advantage because everyone's looking for rest. And those guys yeah. are a little older there. You know, even though they're playing terrific, they're playing young, they still are older. And, you know, they have to be getting tired as well, even though they're not showing it. And I think it would give them a, a significant advantage. At least they will be healthier uh, coming in if they're able to, especially if they close it out tonight. Yeah, and if they get a guy like Gary Payton back, you know what right. I mean, for the finals, I mean, that that adds another piece, a defensive weapon, a guy that they have relied on throughout the season. Hey, think about um, Kaminga's not playing, James Wiseman's yep. not playing. You know, give Golden State Warriors scouting and their staff a lot of credit, how they've constructed this team. And, you know, they have their veteran, yeah. play, their veteran players there, their big three, who are clearly the core of this team. But those young guys, Jordan Poole, Kaminga, uh, all of these guys that are coming in, you know, Gary Payton, Moses, Moses Moody, Moody. Yeah, they, got a bunch mean, of guys. they have a lot of young players where they've really set themselves up nicely for the future. And, mm -hmm. you know, James Wiseman at some point will come back into the fold. So give those guys credit for identifying young players that fit how they play, right? They have a style yeah. that they play and a system of what they, in which they play under and hey, give those guys credit. And, and what a, a phenomenal opportunity for these young players to learn from these Hall of Fame players and then carry on the tradition. And um, they're, they're key contributors to why this team has been able to do so well, especially in this run here now, you know, going for their fourth championship. And how many teams have the luxury of having a finals MVP and Andre Iguodala on the bench for them? And that? then he's also supposedly about to come back for the finals. So, I mean, just to have that resource there, I mean, they, they don't have just the young talent that is developing in front of their eyes. They have the veterans on the back end, too, to help mold and develop these guys. So when you're an Andrew Wiggins and you can go to the bench and Andre Iguodala is like, he's doing this, a guy who's guarded LeBron James at the highest right. level in the biggest stage, and he can say, this is what Luka wants to do. You do this, do that. I mean, that, that is invaluable to have. And I think that's another facet of the Warriors that not a lot of teams that are left can really match. And, uh, and that, that plays a significant role as we get to the NBA Finals. Yeah, it, it really does. So, you know what? It, it, the hardest game to close out, Tate, is the, is the closeout game. So the yep. work is not done. Uh, we're giving these guys a lot of praise. Very deserving. I can't see Luca getting swept. I, I really well, can't. Well, you, so you I, I would hope four. not. You would hope that Luca will find a way to get one game. When I say Luca, mm -hmm. with him being the best team, it's clearly the Dallas Mavericks. But you would hope that the Dallas Mavericks would find a way to at least get one game in the series. I think it would be good for the morale of their team moving forward because clearly this has been a very successful season for them in many regards. But getting swept is always tough, especially when you have a player like Luka. So I think it's good for their for their spirit, if you will, to get at least one game and go from there because they could have easily won game two.
Yeah, exactly. And I do think that, I mean, game three, Reggie Bullock goes 0 for 10. Maxi right. Kleba, he goes 0 for as well. I, I can't see those guys at home going 0 for again. So that obviously. You, you never know. It's the, NBA, it's the NBA playoffs 2022 <laughs> version. You know what I mean? <laughs> anything, anything can happen. Can happen. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that wraps up our uh, playoff talk. BJ, quickly before you get out of here, I wanted to ask, you went to the Combine last week. Uh, you know, we're, we live in different times at the Combine even, not just in the playoffs, but we got guys that are testing the waters, guys that are one foot in, one foot out, guys that are sitting out of scrimmages because they've been promised, all this sort of stuff. Did you enjoy Chicago, and what was your big takeaway from being on the ground? The I really line? did. I, I enjoyed Chicago. Got a chance to catch up with some some old friends, a lot of GMs and executives, and it's, it's good nice. to see people face-to-face. You know, you during COVID and all of this, the pandemic, you don't see people as uh, as frequent as you once did. However, it was great yeah. to see everybody, Masai and and all of the people I saw our good friend Troy Weaver uh, here. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's good to see everyone. You know, shout out to the Orlando Magic. You know, our good friend John Hammond. We've got to get him on the show mm-hmm. as well here. Now they have the number one pick, you know, um, Jeff Weltman. And the, those man guys. Drafted the, the, man Kupo, you know the, the man who drafted Giannis. The man who drafted Giannis. He forever will live in, in history is the man who drafted Giannis. <laughs> So they have the number one pick. I think they have a big decision to make for their organization, for their team moving forward, whether it's Chet Holmgren, uh, Paolo, or Jabari. 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 So, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think they have a big decision in front of them. If you're asking me, I think it's going to come down between Chet and Jabari. And you really have to weigh the following. You have to weigh the upside and when you're going to get a return on it. Is that a one-year project, two-year project, three-year, four years? Uh, project, you know, before he becomes the player we think he's going to become? Or are you going to take the player who's probably closest to, you know, being somewhere near what he's probably going to be? He's going to be a 20-point scorer, I think, take the moment he comes in the NBA. Jabari, Jabari yes. yes. I think Jabari, when you drop him off in the NBA, wherever he goes, I think he's going to score a minimum of 20 and probably somewhere between 20 and 30 throughout his career. I think he's 20,000 points at a minimum in the NBA He's got the size, the package, offensively, defensively. He gives the effort. I think he has a chance to be a really, really terrific player up here. And maybe better than that. I mean, he, these kids now are so young, right? He's only a freshman, and you're making these type of projections. But he, he has the size, the athleticism. But then when you look at Chet, you go, here's a player that's seven one, seven two, incredibly skilled, can shoot it, can pass it, can block shots. Uh, the only downside, if you will, is his size. Can handle the yeah, ball. Yeah, he as can a handle five. it. But you know, is his size? When is he going to fill out? And will he be able to take the the physicality of the game in an 82 game schedule and playing against bigger, stronger athletes? So uh, they got great choices, great options, a lot of homework to do, and uh, we will find <laughs> out sometime in June what their decision will be. But um, it, it was great to get there, and of course, you know I love Jay Nivey. You know I'm. Uh, yes. I I I I I I see. I close my eyes and I see with the number five pick the Detroit Pistons I see, select. I, I see Jay Nivey. I see Jay Nivey. I, I think he. <laughs> I, I I think that I think that's the player. You know I I think I, I really like what he brings, especially in today's game. When you think of John Morant. Those electrifying type athletes. Anthony Edwards. Yeah, yep. Anthony Edwards type. You know, Jay Nivey athletically is there. And, um, you know, he's shown really some incredible physical gifts 
that he can do. And when th- the game opens I up. I thought coming out of the combine, he might be one of those guys that you mentioned it's a two-man race with another I, I, one pick. I, I thought that his name might come I, up. I, as, I'm telling uh, you, I, I, it's guys like that, you know, because he's got something. He's already got a chip on his shoulder, you know. He's already got a chip because he, he's going to – he is the type of athlete that we all enjoy. Now, whether or not he becomes that type of player – only time will tell. But let me tell you this, ladies and gentlemen. He is that level of athlete. Mm. There's another guy that was there that that uh, performed really well. He's my guy, Terquavion Smith for NC mm, State. Mm-hmm. Um, that Now a lot of people are saying he might be a first-round pick. Was there anyone that wasn't on your radar going into the combine that you were like, oh, who's this kid? This guy looks pretty well, good. Well, I wasn't able to watch uh, other than, you know, on television like everyone else. Um, yeah. You know, no, no one really stood out. You know, I, I, I was... Hoping to see Scottie Pippen Jr. You know what I mean. I, I think yeah, I had. A, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's. He apparently played well in the yeah, scrimmage. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you know, he's he had a terrific year. I think it was first team All SEC. So I was, was I was kind of looking forward to him, and uh, hopefully he'll sneak in there in the first round, second round, get, at least get drafted. You know, um, but I, I didn't hear any names. It was kind of it was relatively quiet because it was it's more at the top of the draft. There's no clear cut. You know guy at the top you know I think over time when once guys come in they'll begin to tear off you know these are the first top two here's the first tier here's the second tier so I think over time that will begin to sort itself out but uh, you know there there was a lot of if I had the number one pick if I had the number one pick so you know we'll, we'll see how it you know how it pans out but uh, you know those are some good options I think this draft is going to be pretty pretty good though it may not have the super superstar name in it but i think there's going to be some really really good players and i think some um some top tier players that will be all-stars in this draft if there's anything i know about john hammond is that he loves wingspan this is a man who drafted Giannis antetokounmpo like i said he drafted thon maker uh number 10 i mean that's why when I see Chet, I'm like that checks a lot of boxes for John Hammond. But as you mentioned, you have to be content. Well, you got to get. They have to get Chet a player. Selection. You, you know what? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, you. What, the last thing the Orlando Magic want to do is be drafting a player for the next guy. You, yeah. You, you know, it's it's great when you draft Thon Maker where Thon Maker was drafted. It's great to draft those players where they were drafted. Now you have the number one pick. You have to mm-hmm. get a player who. There's no projects. Yeah, there's no, the there's no projects. You you got to get this one right, right? If you don't, mm-hmm. you, if you don't get this one right, and if there's a twenty thousand point scorer the board, on the you, board you, in you your gotta face, get it right. six you, eleven, you, you, yeah. you know, you you have to live with it. You know, in the in the end, is is this going to be three years? But you better be right, because what we know is it's highly and you might not be there. In yeah, three it, years, it's highly like unlikely that a player like Chet with his body is going to come in day one and be a 15 to 20 point score. Now, he may show you flashes of what he could be, what he ought to be. He may show you flashes. But with that body type, he's not a, he doesn't have a big body where you can put 25 pounds on that body, right? It's going to take mm-hmm. time. But if he could get there, you're talking about a player that's very gifted. But that may be three years from today. And after and 60 you're, you're, losses for the next three years, every year, you may not be there to see that. Okay? <laughs> yeah. And the worst case scenario is that the guy that you pass on, right, the 20,000-point scorer is in Oklahoma City, City with all the opportunity bro. in the world. He Literally, wins Rookie yeah. of the Year. He's averaging 25 points per game. People are saying he's the next Kevin Durant, and you passed on it, 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 it's, it's, That's the worst so case you scenario. Have to, you don't you want to be in that situation. You have to get this right. You have to get it right. The Detroit Pistons got it right. 
Now, K didn't mm-hmm. win the rookie of the year, but it's no doubt about it that you're saying they got they they got we got the we right got the guy right for guy. our building for yes. our culture. Yes. Yep. Okay. He was the he was perhaps the best player in the draft. He missed a significant part due to I think an ankle sprain at the beginning part of the season. But without no doubt about it, he's one of the elite players in 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 that draft. They got it right. I mm-hmm. hope the same thing that the Orlando Magic and our good friends down there get it right. Okay? Get it right. You know, last year I told you, Tate, I thought Evan Mobley was the best player in the draft. Okay? Cleveland, by default, got it right. (laughs) (laughs) He landed it, yeah, in their lap. I mean, Toronto was Scotty Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes. I told this to Masai. I said, Masai, you got it right. Mm -hmm. Okay? You, You got it right. You... Scotty Barnes is he like he's gonna be he's all he's gonna be an all pro player. You got it right. Okay, so they're good players. But you you know, when you have the number one pick, you 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 can't say, well, that was our guy. You have the choice of all of those guys. So you have to get it right, you know? And it's not to say that the Houston Rockets didn't get it right, okay? You know, Jalen Green looked like he's gonna be a terrific player as well. But you have to get it right, especially when you have the number one pick. And a lot of times, you, you have to get a player who can play meaningful minutes. Even if they aren't winning minutes, they have to get a player that can play and you could see the possibilities. That's what Cade did this year. Even though they didn't win a lot of games up there, they, weren't as, they didn't play as many meaningful playoff games like Scotty Barnes was able to do. The playing game there for Cleveland with Evan Mobley was able mm-hmm. to do, but you could see what Cade Cunningham could be, and that's he gave his organization, his city, his team hope because you're saying, hmm, with another player or two, we got something. We could be for we real. We could be for real. Yeah, and, uh, and and that's what you want to see, especially with the number one pick. Mm. I still can't get over the idea of I- Ivy being there with Kate. Oh, man, don't get me excited. Court. Don't get me excited. <laughs> don't get me excited, Tate. What up, dude? Hey, man, what yeah, up, dude? I need that. I need that for Trey Ooh, Weaver. I think that man, would be a fun man. backcourt. In, in a place that has Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars Ooh. to get two guys in a backcourt man, together like you get that, those two. Man, talent. you get those two. Yeah, you get those two. You know, um, you're, you're good to go. Yeah, you're like a Memphis situation when you got Bain and John Morant. You know, you're like you're set. You you got the backcourt figured out. Now the rest you you can plug and play yeah, from no, there. No so. question. <laughs> well, uh, BJ, anything else before we get hey, out of here? This has been winning water, winning water, my friend. What do we do? <laughs> we got to make waves. This has been pushing through. Let's hope. Let's knock on wood that we get some better basketball the rest of the conference finals, and we will see you later in the week. Thanks for listening. Oh.